Hello children, here we are at Coast Access Radio Storytime again. We're reading Mallory, Mallory, The Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Do you remember what happened last time? We finished the chapter with the mouse, or should I say a tooth fairy, planning a trip to Aurelia to get the ransom money Mallory has demanded. But what exactly is Aurelia, and where is it? We'll find out as we join Arthur Mallory, Bruce the Budgie, and the Tooth Fairy on their journey. This chapter is called The Shed Shreds. Mallory did not turn back to look at the mouse, because as she looked at the shed door, something very strange began to happen. The door seemed to be moving away from her. She looked around the shed with a sudden apprehension and was immediately aware that all four walls were moving outwards as well. The inside of the shed was becoming larger and larger, and at the same time the gloominess was giving way to a brighter light. Not the brightness of somebody turning on the light, but the brightness of outside. She heard a gasp beside her and looked to see Arthur, his eyes wide with fright, looking up and around. What's happening? he cried. An earthquake? gasped Mallory. An earthquake shakes, cried Arthur. This is wild. Everything's moving away. Look, the ceiling. It was true. Mallory glanced up. The ceiling was now high above her, climbing higher and higher and becoming smaller and smaller. She looked back, and the walls too were disappearing into the distance. All around them now trees appeared, tall trees with white, flaky bark and long, gently clattering leaves. Oh, my goody goodness, whispered Arthur. Who's taken the shed away? Worse than that, muttered Mallory. Somebody's taken our house away, and yours, she added, glancing to her left, where the McElrose house should have been. Look, where's it gone? Bruce, sensing something was amiss, joined in the general consternation by running back and forth along his perch, making small, squawking sounds and moving his wings up and down. It's okay, Bruce, murmured Arthur, trying to soothe his troubled bird. It's not okay, snapped Mallory, turning to the mouse, which was still sitting on its haunches at the bottom of the cage. You did this, didn't you? Wasn't I supposed to? asked the mouse innocently. Didn't you lead me to understand you wanted to be taken to Aurelia? Did I? asked Mallory. Yes, you did, said Bruce bitterly. And didn't I warn you? You said we had to go with him to get the money. He turned to the mouse. Didn't she? he demanded. She surely did, said the mouse. But I, said Mallory, I said we need to go to Aurelia and that it was very far away, completed Arthur. See, I warned you. Shut up said Mallory. But where are we? asked Arthur. We're in Aurelia, said the mouse. Now its eyes were glittering with amusement. But where's that? asked Arthur. I told you, said the mouse, very far away. It made a little gargling noise that Arthur realised was mouse laughter. Meanwhile, both fuming and scared at the same time, Mallory was staring around at the strange new world. 
Not only had the shed's ceilings and walls now disappeared completely, the floor had vanished as well, and she became aware that she was standing on crunchy leaf litter. And not only had the floor vanished, but so had everything inside the shed. The tools, the gardening equipment, the lawnmower, the useless pile of wood, and the untidy bench. Even the shed smell had gone. No more musty, oily, grassy smell of mower and garden. Instead, a not unpleasant scent of gum leaves, rather like turpentine, wafted on a warm and gentle breeze. If it hadn't been so unexpected and frightening, she might have quite enjoyed the atmosphere. The only things she recognised in this new place were Arthur, Bruce and the birdcage. "'Well,' said the mouse finally, "'I want to get out of the stupid cage you've tricked me into, "'and I suppose you want your silly ransom. "'So let's go.' "'Where?' asked Mallory. "'To the treasury, of course,' said the mouse. "'You led me to understand you want some treasure, "'so it's to the treasury. We must go. "'And when we get to the treasury, "'we must find the Chancellor of the Hexchequer "'and somehow persuade her to pay you your wretched ransom.' As I believe I've already told you, she's very fastidious and very suspicious. Persuade her? asked Arthur. Of course, said the mouse a little testily. You just can't expect the Chancellor of the Hexchequer to open the treasury and hand out treasure willy-nilly, can you? Otherwise everybody would ask for treasure and there wouldn't be any left. Oh, said Arthur. Let's go said the mouse. But where is this hex thing? asked Mallory. She was starting to think that there were some missing bits from her plan, bits she hadn't thought of. It was beginning to look as though things were far more complicated than she had imagined. You lead the way, Arthur suggested to the mouse. We have no idea where to go. It may have escaped your notice, said the mouse acidly, that I happen to be trapped in a cage. Cage, you know, bars. This means I'm unable to lead anybody anywhere except to the edge of the wretched thing. I mean, said Arthur hurriedly, you could tell us where to go. The mouse stared at him for a long time. Then, as if shrugging its shoulders, it said, OK, then, how about straight ahead? You should come across a path at some stage. If you do... Turn right. Got you, said Arthur, picking up the cage, and once again murmuring soothing sounds to Bruce. Coming? he asked Mallory. Of course, she snapped. You don't think I'm staying here, do you? Arthur didn't respond. However, the mouse said, And watch out for the wild animals. Some of them aren't very friendly. Luckily, the bird and I are safe inside this cage. You two? Mm, not so much. Wild animals? asked Mallory, nervous again. You didn't mention wild animals. You forgot to ask. What sort of wild animals? asked Mallory. Oh, you know, said the mouse. Canines, molars, incisors. The incisors are particularly brutal. They don't sound like animals, said Mallory. They sound like teeth. Oh, you're quite right, said the mouse. They do have especially fierce teeth. That's what makes them so very dangerous. Come on, said Arthur. Yes, 
said the mouse. Best to hurry. It gets quite dark under the trees in these parts, and the animals tend to like the shadows. Arthur needed no further prompting. Holding the cage as steadily as he could while hurrying was difficult, but Arthur did his best. Mallory, scowling with a mixture of fear and frustration, followed. This wasn't working out at all as she'd planned. She was also furious at the way Arthur kept saying, I told you so, as if he was somehow smarter than her, instead of the pathetic wimp he actually was. They had now reached a place where the trees were closer together, and even taller, the peeling white bark shining in the morning sun wherever there was a gap. What sort of trees are these? asked Arthur. They're very tall. Gum trees, of course, said the mouse. They're the only trees in Aurelia. Pink gums, red gums, all sorts of gums. I don't like them, said Mallory. They suck. Howling and yowling. Fortunately, the mouse was right. Before very long, they came upon a well-defined pathway. Right, you said, asked Arthur. Right, that's right, said the mouse. Right, said Arthur. And after looking to the right and to the left and to the right again, as if expecting traffic, he turned right. The path was broad, but did not look to be especially well-travelled. Mallory, who was walking behind Arthur, had been a little spooked by all the talk of wild canines and incisors. She looked nervously behind her from time to time. However, apart from the rattle, rustle of the gum leaves and the sound of Arthur's footsteps on the dry leaf litter underfoot, there was no noise. How far do we have to go? asked Arthur, because the birdcage was getting quite heavy. About twice as far as halfway, said the mouse. Ha ha, said Mallory. She was beginning to dislike the little creature very much. While she liked being sarcastic, she didn't enjoy sarcasm in others. They trudged on. To Arthur, the forest of gum trees appeared endless, and the birdcage felt heavier and heavier. Mallory, he suggested, would you like to give me a hand with the birdcage? No, said Mallory. Please, said Arthur. Not unless you want to throw it into a river, snapped Mallory. Temper, said the mouse cheerfully, just because your plan isn't working out so well. Mallory was about to retort with something clever when the full meaning of the mouse's words struck her. She hadn't mentioned her plan to the mouse, had she? She had shown her diary to Arthur, but how did the mouse know about it? How on earth do you know about my plan? she demanded. Plan? said the mouse. How would I know about your plan? I'm just a poor little mouse kept prisoner in a cage. They'd stopped walking. Arthur put the cage on the forest floor and stretched his arms. His right arm was getting quite sore from all the caring. Don't play with me, snapped Mallory. You do know about my plan, don't you? Only what you've told me already, said the mouse. Mallory stared down at the little creature and allowed herself to breathe out with relief. And, continued the mouse in a meaningful way, what you haven't told me as well. Mallory gasped, her relief finished. What do you mean? You know what I mean, said the mouse. 
Mallory stared at the mouse again. She did know what the mouse meant, and she felt a sudden spurt of fear. Because the mouse looked like a mouse, she had been treating it like a mouse. But it wasn't a mouse. It was a tooth fairy. And the tooth fairy, as she now knew, had awesome powers. She shuddered as she remembered what had happened to the garden shed. Somehow the little creature had twitched a whisker or glittered an eye or something, and all at once the shed had spun off into space, and now here they were in the strange forest of gum trees, walking along a rustling path. And if the tooth fairy really knew of her plan, then it knew that she hadn't intended to release it, even once the first ransom had been paid, that she had planned to cheat. Whoops, Mallory thought. She blushed. Yes, said the mouse, looking up at her. You might well blush. Never mind. We can sort all that out later. Mallory didn't like the sound of that one little bit. She wished she were home again. She almost wished she hadn't embarked upon her cunning plan in the first place. What's done is done, her nana Rebecca would have said. Mallory had never understood what that meant, but now she thought she was beginning to. Anyway, how far do we have to go? she asked in an attempt to change the subject. Too late to remember that Arthur had already asked that. However, the mouse said quite cheerfully, Not far. The answer encouraged Arthur enough for him to pick up the birdcage again, and they set off once more down the path. They hadn't been moving for more than a few minutes, though, before Mallory heard a faint howling in the distance. She thought it was coming from behind them, but she couldn't be sure. Looking around nervously, she asked, What's that? Even though she tried desperately to sound calm and unworried, her voice trembled. Arthur stopped and looked behind him as well. The howling started again, a little closer this time. Arthur paled. I've only ever heard them on the Discovery Channel, but to me, that sounds rather like wolves. Wolves? repeated Mallory, really frightened now. She turned to the mouse. Are they? The mouse shook its head. No, they're not wolves. The howling began again, even louder, closer. The howls began at a high pitch, then grew higher in pitch and intensity, and then tailed off. One would start, and then others join in. As Mallory listened, frozen with fear, she realised that there was some sort of communication going on, some call and response kind of thing. It suggested that the animals, not wolves, a mouse had said, were talking to each other, were gathering. What are they? Mallory demanded of the mouse. If they're not wolves, what are they? Sounds like wolves, muttered Arthur. Bruce was clearly anxious as well and had begun chattering and running back and forth along his perch again. Arthur tried to calm him with soft murmurings, but his murmur sounded stretched and strained. The canines, said the mouse cheerfully. I did mention to them. I seem to remember. You said they were fierce, said Arthur. Well, they are, said the mouse. They're so fierce they make wolves look like chihuahuas. Why are they howling like that? asked Arthur, now quite white with terror. I imagine they've caught your scent, said the mouse. Our scent? Yes, 
They're probably hungry. I expect they'll be here very soon. Arthur and Mallory stared at each other. On all sides, the tall white trunks of the gum trees rose to the sky. There were no branches for several metres up in the air, only peeling flakes of bark. Neither needed to say anything. The only way to climb those trees would be with the help of a helicopter. Meanwhile, the howling grew ever more intense. Mallory whirled on the little mouse. You don't seem very worried, she snapped. Oh, I'm not, said the mouse in the same infuriating, cheerful voice. I'm perfectly safe in the cage. Thank you very much. Arthur was in a bind. He wanted to run, but it would be difficult with the bird cage. Not only would it slow him down, he didn't want to swing and bounce the cage around. He couldn't run and keep the cage steady, and a swinging, bouncing cage would terrify Bruce. Mallory wasn't so concerned. She had a better idea. Put the cage down, she ordered. Run. We can't leave Bruce and the mouse here, gasped Arthur. They might get eaten. We will get eaten unless you do, said Mallory grimly. Anyway... You hurt him, her whatever it is. It reckons are perfectly safe in the cage. No, said Arthur. Tooth fairy, said the mouse. What? demanded Mallory on the verge of panic. You said whatever it is, said the mouse quite calmly. And whatever it is, is the tooth fairy. The howling seemed to be just metres away. Mallory flashed a white-faced glance of terror at Arthur and gasped, have it your own way then. I'm out of here. Then she turned and fled down the pathway, leaving Arthur, his budgie, and the tooth fairy behind. Chapter 9. The Canines Oh dear, whispered Arthur, holding firm but staring wide-eyed in the direction of the yowling and howling. He did not have long to wait. Within seconds, the first of the canines burst into view. Bruce screeched. So much noise, complained the mouse. The first canine, which looked just like an albino wolf, was almost immediately followed by two more, and then there were too many to count, bursting along the path, shoulder to shoulder, mouth stretched open, howling, barking and baying. They were all such a shiny white colour, they could have been ghost dogs, and they were huge. Easily the size of tigers, thought Arthur, who had never seen a tiger. He backed against the trunk of a tree, holding the birdcage up as high as his arms could reach. Even so, he realised with despair the birdcage would still be level with the jaws of even the smallest canine. Within seconds, the lead canine had bounded up to Arthur and stopped in front of him, panting and slavering. It was quickly joined by four or five others, and still more canines gathered behind them. Arthur had once been threatened by a very angry Pekingese. He remembered how the little dog had stood before him, just like these huge canines, yipping ferociously. Then the yipping had turned to a low snarling, as the Pekingese had bared her teeth, as if getting ready to lunge. It had been very scary. Arthur now anticipated that the canine staring down at him would try the low snarling trick before snapping at his head. Arthur closed his eyes and squeezed them shut. Everything was trembling. The birdcage wobbled as he struggled to hold it up. 
And then, in the unexpected silence, for the canine had stopped baying and had not yet started to snarl, Arthur heard a now familiar voice. The mouse. Hello, Cyril, the mouse said. Long time no see. And then Arthur heard another voice, a low guttural voice, as if it was a little horse from a lot of howling. Hello, Tooth Fairy. Why are you in that bird cage with a budgie? Long story, said the mouse. Oh, good, said the canine. I like stories. We all like stories, don't we, team? There was a chorus of agreement. Arthur opened his eyes. Instead of finding his head between the jaws of a gigantic beast, he found himself surrounded by resting canines with lolling tongues and expectant eyes. The lead canine, Cyril, had already backed off and was settling on the path, panting in a not unfriendly way. You're not very fit, observed the mouse. I know, said Cyril. I probably need to go to the gym. Well, why don't you? There's no gym in Aurelia. Arthur gently lowered the bird cage and placed it on the ground. This sudden shift from extreme life-threatening peril to quiet friendliness had quite unsettled him. He wasn't complaining, though. Quite the reverse. All the same, he rather felt the need for a quiet lie-down somewhere. The story? prompted Cyril, and there was a growl of agreement from the surrounding canines. Too complicated, said the mouse. Another time. Do you want out of that cage? asked Cyril. I do, said the mouse, but I have an arrangement. Thank you for the offer, but I must respectfully decline. And this strange creature? The canine was staring directly at Arthur, who was suddenly aware once more of the beast's size and power. He shrank back against the tree. This is Arthur, the owner of this dim-witted bird. Arthur is a little dim-witted as well. But he has good intentions, said the mouse. In fact, he's growing on me. Cyril put his huge nose in the air and began sniffing. But where's the other one? I can send another one. That would be Mallory, said the mouse. She ran away. Why ever did she do that? asked Cyril. I imagine she was alarmed by your noise. You are a rowdy lot, you know. Frightened by a little noise? And the fact that she was worried she might have ended up as your breakfast. Cyril made a gruff, barking snort that Arthur interpreted as a laugh. But we've all had breakfast. Stodgy porridge. That's why we needed such a brisk run and bark to work off the horrible stuff. You certainly barked, said the mouse. So no story? asked Cyril. Sorry, said the mouse. Perhaps later. Oh well, said Cyril. Win some. Lose some, completed the mouse. We'll be off then, said Cyril. Come on, team. With that, he rose to his tall four legs and turned about. The other canines did the same, but waited respectfully for Cyril to lead the way back down the path they'd so recently stampeded down. However, this time they were silent. Bye, called the mouse as they loped away. Perhaps it wasn't heard, because none of the canines answered it. Arthur waited until the last canine had disappeared around a bend before sighing with relief. An interesting encounter, said the mouse cheerfully. You knew they were harmless, said Arthur unhappily, that the mouse had misled him with tales of the canine's ferocity and hunger. 
Oh, I wouldn't say they were harmless, said the mouse, quite the contrary. But they were friendly. Oh, yes, but being friendly and being harmless, mm, not the same thing. Arthur thought about that. It didn't sound right, but it probably was. He shrugged. What about Maori, then? She wasn't really friendly, and she certainly wasn't harmless. He considered asking the mouse's opinion, but then thought the better of it. It was probably disloyal. All the same, he remembered something the mouse had said. Am I growing on you? What did you mean by that? You are, Arthur. I have a feeling you aren't really mean at all. You just have to pretend to be. Arthur nodded. Mallory can be... He began, but changed his mind. Mentioning Mallory, though, reminded him of how she had run away, leaving them to whatever the canines were about to do to them. Well, to him, really. The mouse and Bruce were safe in their cage. I wonder where she is, he wondered aloud. Your friend, asked the mouse. Arthur glanced quickly at the little creature to see whether it was being sarcastic again. But it is hard to tell when a mouse has been sarcastic. All the same, running away like that wasn't really the act of a friend. He nodded. Yeah, Mallory. I imagine, said the mouse, that judging by the speed she left at, she'll be several kilometres down the path. Mm, I suppose so, said Arthur, reaching for the cage. Unless, said the mouse mysteriously, she's been waylaid. Waylaid? It's always possible. Said the mouse. Goodness, it was a bit scary with those canines, wasn't it? Don't think I would trust them. I wonder if this is a magic world Arthur and Mallory have been transported to. It would have felt pretty weird having the rumours and stuff just disappearing, don't you think? I'm worried about Mallory running off like that too. We'll find out next session. The next chapter is called The Big Little House. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Books and Co, my favourite bookshop, has heaps of new stock arriving now the warehouses and transport are back and running after the Christmas holidays. Take a roadie trip to Old Tacky and find their bookstore on State Highway 1, Old Tacky. It's full of wonderful surprises. Goodbye and happy reading. <laughs> This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.